from Trimble Construction, you're listening to The Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Well, folks, welcome back to what is another episode of The Connected construction show. I am your co-host, Evan Hill. You are probably familiar to uh, Matt Sprague's face, but we are live from Dimensions 2022, and we have Matt busy, busy, occupied, giving several different session sessions right now. So I'm jumping in with a, a really, really exciting guest that I've been looking forward to having this conversation with, Scott Strickland from ASRC Construction. Scott, thank you so much for joining the show today. I know you have a long, long relationship with Trimble, both you and your organization. Um, and I'm really excited to dive into it. But first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. You know, I'm just always happy to share our experiences, what we've what we've learned over the years working with the uh, uh, Viewpoint and, and, and Trimble. The Trimble Absolutely. Construction One has been a great asset for us. Well, I'm excited to dig into it. Why don't you tell me a little bit, and this is where I, just to be quite honest with you, this is where I love to start every single conversation. I want to know who you are, what your background is, how you fell in love with the construction industry, why you work in it, and tell me more about your organization. Well, my background, and, and you know, I always used to think it was kind of unique, but the more people I talk to, it seems like especially in the systems management group, people don't always come from a computer background. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I was born and raised all over the world as a, as a military brat. My dad did <laughs> 35 years in the Navy, and uh, so I have been all over, uh, lived in nine different states, uh, three other countries, visited 57 countries. You know, um, when what was I got your favorite older, state to live in? Uh, Alaska. Alaska. Did and you ever live in Washington? I did. I lived in Seattle. So I'm a Seattle kid. I, uh, <laughs> I lived on Mercer Island. I, I lived on Mercer Island for a very long time. <laughs> University lived, of Washington, the full thing. So I, I lived I lived on Mercer Island for a little over a year. Yeah. And after only three days of not raining, I decided I was going to live someplace else. <laughs> and you know exactly what I mean. I know exactly what you mean because I didn't, I, I don't live in Seattle today. So, <laughs> um, but after, you know, after traveling all around the world. I went into the Navy myself. I spent uh, uh, 18 years traveling around the world with the Navy, saw 57 countries, um, literally sailed around the world on yeah. one of the one of the uh, deployments that I made. Um, got out of the Navy uh, and uh, I was an electrician in the Navy. When I got out of the Navy, I uh, took a summer vacation, went to Alaska, because at that point it was the only state I hadn't visited yet and absolutely fell in love with the place. And I'm still there. Um, worked in construction uh, as a field electrician, cable splicer, for most of 10 years, mostly the uh, oil fields on the North Slope in Alaska, uh, running lots of fiber optics cable in really cold weather. <laughs> That's hard work. <laughs> it is. Working outside at 40, 50 below zero can be a little rough, but you know, I, it, it sounds weird, but it's a dry cold. It makes a huge difference. If you've ever been any place where it snows, you know, you get the snow gets on you, gets wet, soaks in, and you can't get warm. Trust me, I get it. I'm in the, Phoenix right now, so we use this, it's a dry heat, it's a dry well, cold all the time. But the dry cold is the same way because, you know, the snow doesn't stick, it doesn't it melt on your clothes. Is. 
So you just layer up, you stay warm, mm -hmm. and you just keep right on working. Um, we didn't work in the winter, we wouldn't get much work done. Yeah. So um, computers were always a hobby of mine. goes back to, you know, the 70s and 80s, you know, Commodore 64 and Heathkit computers, you know. Um, and one of the folks in our head office figured out I was automating all my job sites and says, you know, you really should come to town and, uh, you know, automate for all the companies. It's like, you guys pay me an awful lot of money as a union electrician working out here in the field, but they made it worth my while. I made the transition and for a number of years, managing systems was just another duty as assigned while I was being a project manager and a scheduler and uh, yeah, doing cost controls and various other things in construction and fell in love with construction because I could always go back my place and say, you know, I helped build that. You know, either as an electrician who ran it or a manager or a scheduler who was involved in the project. There's just something about seeing something that you were part of building that's going to be there for 10, 15, 20 years. A remote village in rural Alaska that's got a school in it because you were part of the team that built that school. Now, a hospital on the west coast of Alaska, you were part of the team that built that. Now, it wouldn't, might not be there otherwise. Now, did you have, did you have family history? involved in construction because this seems like a natural passion of yours i know you said your dad was in the military yeah i did not i mean i think i think i have a cousin who's involved in construction in the dakotas somewhere but sure it's not a big family thing our family's always been military and it seemed a natural progression for me because of my background as an electrician you know that just seemed like the way to go and i just i fell in love with it i love working outside I've always love hunting camping fishing which is Kind of why I fell in love with Alaska. You know, <laughs> everything you've, if you like the outdoors, there is no better place in the world, I tell you. Um, it's uh, it's an amazing place. And, you know, just, you know, I mean, I worked my way all the way up through construction. I started as a, as a short call union field hand, worked my way up as a superintendent, a foreman, a general foreman, a construction manager, a project engineer, a project manager. Um, I was general manager of one of our construction companies for seven years. Um, and for all of that office time, I was also managing our systems because it was an other duty as assigned, you know, 15 years ago, the automation systems didn't get the same level of visibility and importance they do nowadays. Sure. And then uh, they started becoming much more relevant in the world as uh, computers and automation started becoming more a part of everything we do. And so they asked me to take the job on permanently as my full-time job. And I, I was enjoying it. I mean, my hobby's now my job. How much better can life get, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever miss your days in the field? I do. I, there are days when, you know, you know, every, we all have them. As much as I love my job, there are days when things are frustrating, things yeah. are not working right, something breaks that shouldn't, it doesn't make sense. And just like, man, I, I want my put my tool belt back on and go back out there in the field. Um, and you know, so you, I want to jump in here real quick because so many of these conversations nowadays are, are formal, but anybody who's worked on the job site knows that guys working on the job site love to have fun. Oh, They absolutely. love to play pranks on each other. They love to do stupid things. Is there any highlight or job story from your time in the field where you're just like, I will never forget when A did that or that person did that or that happened to me. Do you have any particularly good stories that you that you could bring up? 
God, there have been so many, you know, it's, uh, hey, I mean, hey, I, no, I can't honestly, not one single, one single thing doesn't stand out, you yeah. know, um, the, the whole camaraderie, I mean, when you're working in the field with a group of guys and yeah. you're in the middle of nowhere, and especially in Alaska, you're working in remote places yeah. where, you know, the nearest town might be 75 miles away and there isn't even a road from here to there. I mean, you, you're looking out for each other, but you're right. You're also pranking each other. You're playing each other. You know, um, you know, you do things all the time. You know, you you set people up with something that looks like it's done and ready to use, and they can't figure out why it sure. won't work. You sure. know, well, you just haven't finished the last connection on the other end yet. So you know, and then you're making them troubleshoot it. You know. Yeah. Especially the young guys when you're training them, it's one of the most favorite things. You know, you set them up with something that's done and just, okay, go test it. So it don't work. Well, figure out why it don't work. <laughs> I love that. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about your organization, ASRC Construction. What does that stand for, first of all? Well, um, ASRC Construction is the uh, construction branch of Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. Arctic Slope Regional Corporation is uh, our parent corporation. It is the largest of the Alaska Native corporations. There are 13 regional corporations that were created as part of the uh, Native Claims Settlement Act uh, when Alaska became a state. And uh, they've built businesses. Um, and ASRC has done just an amazing job of diversifying. They have subsidiary companies in almost every line of business you can imagine, which has allowed them to be extremely stable and to grow. And it's an amazingly family-oriented, employee-oriented uh, business. Um, I've worked for corporations that weren't, and there's a huge difference. Um, I, you know, I'll be with this company as long as they'll put up with me, probably. But... Um, the construction branch specifically uh, was who I worked for when I actually worked in the field. Um, I worked for a couple of the subsidiaries, but I worked up through the construction branch. And when I came in to start managing systems for them, um, we actually brought the construction companies together into the ASRC construction group. Uh, ASRC was growing large enough. They were starting to create, we call them silos, you know. They got an energy services group and a construction group and a federal services group on the East Coast. A lot of, a lot of companies, I don't know, it's 150, 170 subsidiaries all over the country in every line of business, uh, banking, tourism, construction, employment services, industrial services, oil fields. They've just about, I don't even, can't think of a line of business they aren't in at some level, but um by diversifying, they allow, they're, they're able to focus um, resources in given areas based on how the economy's doing. Uh, and uh, being with the construction group has been fantastic. Uh, I'm with them, I was with them for 19 years until this year when they, I actually moved up to work at the parent corporation level because we have another group, the industrial services group, which a few years back um, also uh, implemented uh, VISTA. Uh, so now we have two entirely separate organizations within our enterprise that are running on VISTA. And um, with my experience with VISTA, we, we, the companies, the one company that was the core of our construction group implemented what was at the time BidTech in 1986. Wow. 
So 36 years we've been with the Viewpoint and now Trimble Group. It's incredible. And uh, it's not because we haven't looked around. Uh, yeah. Every five years we do a review. We want we see what else is out there. And, you know, it's not a perfect system, but it is still the best fit for what we do and what we need. Now, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who's running hotels. Sure. Matter of fact, we own a chain of lumber stores as part of our construction group. They're not in Vista. They have a separate ERP. You know, it's not a Trimble one. I won't mention it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for the construction industry um, in any aspect, and we, we have, we are involved in various aspects. We have two of our subsidiaries, our civil companies, one uh, focuses on uh, uh, paving, uh, highways, airports, they run uh, asphalt plants, gravel pits, and uh, our other subsidiary is primarily on earth movers, uh, yeah. ASRC Earthworks. Then we have a couple of our subsidiaries that focus on remote general contracting with a high percentage of self-performance, um, uh, employing uh, local residents in the remote villages for their projects. It's incredible. Um, and then we have a couple of companies, subsidiaries that focus on federal construction management projects with the uh, DOD, Corps of Engineers, Department of Energy. Uh, right now, we're mostly focused in Alaska, but we have done projects in 13 different states. We have two currently active in Colorado. Um, we've worked all over. Uh, 15 years ago, we had a, one of our subsidiaries that was doing projects in uh, U.S. embassies around the world. That's incredible. So they, they worked in 40-some different countries. Wow. Uh, it's so much diversity. It just keeps it interesting. So there was something you mentioned that kind of put off an alarm, not an alarm bell, but like a light bulb in my head. You were talking about mentoring and coaching and, and training, you know, the young guys in the field. I think one sort of like hot topic that we're facing in the construction industry today is we have a lot of older, more experienced veteran folks who are transitioning into retirement and we're experiencing this labor shortage in the construction industry, particularly among bringing in, attracting and you know, retaining younger talent. Have you experienced that sort of, uh, I guess, challenge at all? And, and if so, what would be your advice to uh, folks who maybe you know want to get involved or, or, or get started in the industry? You know, there are really two parts to that issue. Anybody who's been around the construction industry knows you got the old guys. You know, those of us who are late fifties or more. Um, you sure. know, 60 plus, you know, the, the, the old hands that know everything because they've done it all. And then there's this gap, you know, the 40 somethings and the early 50 somethings, we just don't have any, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, construction was not the thing to do. Yeah. And we lost a lot of people and it built this, uh, generation gap almost in construction. We're just now starting to get that next generation, those guys in their 20-somethings and 30-somethings that are re getting to the management level, starting to become project managers and revitalizing the industry in a lot of ways because they have a very different perspective. They don't see automation and computers and handheld devices as a challenge. Mm -hmm. A lot of the old guard, they see all of that as, you know, something that's trying to take their job away. You know, not literally, They've been doing it the old way for a long time. They just soon stick with it. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I'm telling you, in today's economy, 
margins becoming what they are. If you're not evolving, you're dying. And there are companies learning that the hard way. And we're not going to be one of them. Um, part of my role in our group companies is to keep us not on that bleeding edge as much as I would like to live all the way out there on the bleeding edge. But we got to be on the cutting edge to stay competitive, to stay relevant. You know, we literally win projects because of our automation capabilities, because of the integration of our Tremble suite of products that we wouldn't win otherwise, because owners are looking for that kind of stuff. They're, they see that. They see how important that data being available to the field, to the office, and all of it being integrated is. And, and it makes a difference. I mean, that's actually direct consideration in a lot of bid evaluation processes these days. So you kind of beat me to my follow-up question, and, and it was this from, th there's been a historical resistance to, I think, technology adoption in the construction mm -hmm. industry. And we're starting to see some of that change. Um, as the, I just think the industry is ripe for penetration there. But what, what advice would you give to organizations across, you know, GCs, owners, you know, engineering firms who may be resistant to that sort of technology adoption internally? Well, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll half step back on the two because part of what you asked me was, you know, what would I tell people who are thinking about it or trying to decide what they're doing is, you know, don't think of construction is nothing but swinging a hammer or driving a bulldozer. There's a lot more to it today than there was 20 years ago. There's a lot more technology involved. I mean, the new generations coming up, they live with devices, you know, and you're not going to give that up working in construction and you're going to have the satisfaction of building something that'll be there that you can show your kids someday. You know, and for companies that are resistant to that change, it goes back to that same thing. If you're not evolving, you're dying. And if you don't believe it, look at the big companies that have failed over the last 20 years. Yeah. They did not evolve. They did not go with that technology. Technology is not there to replace people. Mm -hmm. It's there to make the business processes more efficient and more accurate. Because anytime people have to rekey data, you're entering option possibilities for errors. Let the let the computers pass it between. Don't even own an iPad. I hate Apple devices, but I own an iPad because it works. <laughs> ah. All right. Why I don't have an Apple phone. We're gonna pick off from pick up from. Uh, oh look, it already started back up again. Perfect. Yeah, because there was a, it was having sadness. We're so gonna pick back up from. Uh, the favorable question. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Wow. Yep. So let's make sure this is all working. It's closed. Okay. So you've been telling me about all the different roles you've been working in the construction industry, both in the field, in the back office. Uh, you, you told me how you worked your way up. What has been your favorite role to date? I'm in my favorite role right now. Um, and at my age, that's important because if I wasn't enjoying my job, I would just go. I don't you know, blame you. I'd go camping and I'd be done. Um, but uh, I I look forward to going to work every day. You know, not that every day is perfect because there are those days where you, nothing goes right. You're frustrated, but there's so few and far between. Yeah. Um, I have the opportunity to, you know, introduce new technologies to um work with data analytics, 
artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of these new technologies that to me, it just, uh, it, it's extremely interesting. Um, data is just a puzzle, you know, and it's so important in today's world to have access to all that information, to be able to analyze it, figure out how to do things better than you have. And um, I work across the spectrum of our organization. I work with our AP people, our payroll people, our accounting people, our operations people, our field people. You know, every aspect of our organization is touched by our systems. And so I'm constantly working with all of these different professionals and specialties. And it's a chance to introduce and train new people into this. I have a uh, system administrator who's been working for me for a few years now who I'm training, you know, to manage our systems and run them. And sure. you, know, you can imagine it be a little intimidating with somebody for somebody trying to come in and get trained to replace somebody who's been doing the same thing for 20 years. Absolutely. You know, but uh, she is she is a trooper and she's very sharp and she's going to be a good replacement for me someday. Someday. When Not I win, yet. When I win the lottery and go off <laughs> to the Bahamas or heaven forbid I decide to retire. But my yeah. wife my wife says that'll never happen because if I quit working, I'll just die of boredom. <laughs> um, but it, it's 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 a fascinating world. I mean, the technologies and coming to these conferences and seeing the even newer things that are coming across the entire spectrum of not just construction, but heavy machinery and geospatial and, and GPS and, you know, with getting becoming part of the Trimbleverse, you know, um, there's such a wider exposure yeah. to how these new technologies are expanding. Uh, and we had touched briefly on uh, how technology, how construction is behind. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, I, I have a favorite analogy, you know, technology has been creeping into all of our lives in every aspect for pretty much the life of, in my case, my kids, you know, my kids are in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's ever present everywhere. Now, all you got to do is walk down the street. You don't see anybody without a device in their hands. It's, it's the world that we're in. Most industries have been evolving with that technology as it comes out. And I look at some of the, you know, there's some businesses and industries out there that have been on it from day one, you know. Those, those guys, are there, they're like at a college level. You know, most industries, they're middle school, high school with adopting automation and technology. Construction, we're still in kindergarten. You know, it's like, you know, they're giving us our crayons. You know, what is... Why do you think what that is, is? What is this is thing? It, what am I going to do with this? I can't hammer a nail with it, you know? What's your theory on why that is? Is it is it, and is it because of the complexity of how unique every single construction project is? The thousands of different collaborators on any given project? Like what, what is it? Well, I really think what it is, is because you go back to that difference, that gap we talked about your old school construction people, yeah. it's hammers, it's wrenches, yeah. you know, it's heavy machines. It's not delicate little electronic devices that are just going to get destroyed. Yeah. Now that's not construction. Well, I got news for you. It is, you know, because that superintendent in the field is working off last week's paper notes that were mailed to him from the office has missed three meetings and two different updates to the drawings and he's building to the wrong spec. 
Now, the one on the next project over who's looking at the current set of prints on his iPad is drawn to the spec that was approved last night. You know, if, you, if you're not taking advantage of that technology, deploying it on your projects, and I'm not saying you replace people with it, and everybody out there doesn't need to have a device in their hand, but they need to be available. You need to be utilizing them where it makes sense because there's a lot of places where it does. Yeah. Now, you reduce the redundancy, you reduce the time delays inherent in distributing things on paper or even by email. Yeah. You know, you think about real-time reviewing of stuff on a tablet or a computer compared to the time lag involved in sending an email waiting for somebody to read it. You know, we think of email like instant, but it's not. You know, you send an email, it might be two hours before the guy looks at it when he gets back to the trailer. But, you know, you send a, 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 a picture to his phone, it's right there. Yeah. He's got that information in his hands now. So I wanted to get your perspective on, and this is shifting gears and topics just a little bit. As a country, we're undergoing a period of heavy, heavy focus on infrastructure acceleration and development. As we know, we don't really discuss politics on this show, but you know, it's obviously related to the bipartisan infrastructure bill that you know passed Congress late last year. This is a big, big topic among everybody in the construction industry. I would love to get your perspective on what things you're hearing in terms of um, how your organization is prepping for that flow of federal funds. If you expect to see it, what sorts of projects you expect to, to target and work on? Like, what's been your perspective, both from an organizational and, and personal perspective, on, on that? Well, we have high hopes for it. Yeah, you know, and again, politics aside, I don't agree with the current you know regime, but you know. They're going to send money to our industry. I'm okay with that. You yeah. Know? Um, and we have high hopes for it, but there's been so many delays and stuff that we're not, we're not directly planning on anything. However, we are manpowering up. We are hiring project managers, project engineers, because when they do flip that switch and suddenly the money flows, it's going to be too late. You won't find anybody because yeah. we all know that shortage is out there. We would be doing probably, you know, 20% more projects today if we could, if we could find the manpower for them, um, especially in our civil crews. Wow. We're literally moving civil crews back and forth between two companies to keep up with the work in two different companies and their projects because we can't get enough manpower to fully man both companies. Uh, and we're seeing that in, in other aspects, you know, the um, project support personnel, construction engineers, project engineers, uh, and down at the craft level even, you know, it's it's hard to find enough carpenters. Yeah. Um, we don't do a lot of the specialty subcontractor work, but as a GC, we work with them on a very close basis, and we understand they're facing the same challenges. And those challenges impact schedule. But we also know that we have to be ready when these projects roll out. Um, we're not experiencing a lack of available projects. Um, our, we're, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we're, we're pretty much booked full for the next year and a half. That's but we would love to grow. Yeah. Our parent corporation has, you know, put out marching orders as of this year that, you know, they would like to see us enterprise-wide double in size in the next seven years. And that's a 
that's a scary prospect. Do you think about, I don't care if you're a $2 million a year business or a $2 billion a year business, to double your gross revenue without losing your margin percentage. I mean, anybody can double revenue. That's not really hard. But to do it without losing margin, that's a challenge. I mean, that takes years. And to have a fixed schedule for it, I mean, it's a challenge we're all looking forward to. Um, We're gearing up. We're seeing a shift in where even our senior management in construction now is younger than it was 20 years ago. Um, That next generation is moving right up through. And us old folks are going to go the way of the dodo, you know. We're going we're gonna to head off into retirement and, and sit back and watch the younger guys do the work. But we got to teach them how first. Yeah. Because yeah, so, you can go to school. You can learn everything in the world from the books. Yeah. We all know the books don't work in the real world. Yeah. A theory is not, is not reality. And you got to get the knowledge from the old hands. The best training is in the field. It is, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting time and a scary time. Because yeah. we got all of this potential new work coming but we don't know when so i want to wrap up this conversation and we we actually end every single podcast episode with this question what is your motto it could be personal professional related it doesn't even have to be construction related but what motto has served you well throughout your career in your life what do you live by what do i live by don't be afraid to try Mm. Plain and simple. Yeah, you're going to fail, but if you don't try, you're never going to succeed. Learn from your failures. That's all they are. They're learning opportunities. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid to try whatever it is, a new piece of software, a new uh, a new type of food you've never eaten before. Um, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I think I can build it that way. Well, try it, you know, or at least bring it up for discussion. Don't be afraid to try and don't be afraid to put your ideas out there, especially for the young guys. I love that you mentioned this. I was just having a conversation with my best friend actually before I left for Dimensions. And honestly, some of the most successful people I know have failed the most. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It is absolutely. I mean, and and don't be afraid to put your ideas out there. People who belittle your ideas are idiots. Yeah. Pardon my French, but no, they are absolutely. You know, maybe your idea, maybe your idea is somebody's tried it before. You know, but, but so they let you let them know that. But you can say, don't be afraid to put your ideas out there. They're not all going to fly. Yeah. But if you don't try, you'll never know. Yeah. And some of the greatest innovations in history have come from people who didn't have that background yeah. or said something wrong by accident, and it turned out to be the right answer. So. Don't be afraid to speak up and just at the end of the day, don't be afraid to try. I love Because if you never try, you will never succeed. So if people want to learn more about you or your organization, how, how can they find you? Hi, hiding under a snowbank in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite answer to that question. <laughs> uh, you know, if you want to find me, come to the come to the Viewpoint Summer Summit. Come to the Trimble Conference. Um you know, my information is out there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm accessible. If you're a Trimble customer using any of the Viewpoint Vista products, reach out to me. I'm available to help. I, I, don't, I don't shut anybody off. You know, it's an amazing community. Reach out. There are people people who know us, you know. Um, 
Uh, I don't have a personal website. You're not going to find me on Facebook. You know, I'm not that tech forward, I guess. But, uh, you know, I don't go anywhere without my phone and my iPad. And I live in the world of technology. But, uh, you know, it's a come to Alaska. Come to Alaska and find ASRC construction. Yeah. You know, Alaska's on my to-do list in terms of visiting states. I've never been. I went, I went there for a summer vacation. And you never left. And, and fell in love with the place and never left. And I've, I, I've had people tell me that before. That was 27 years it's ago. It's got to earn a visit. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Connected Construction Show. Sir, thank you so much for joining today. Evan, it was a pleasure. Live. I'm happy to be here talking. Live from Dementias 2022. Amazing conference. A little overwhelming with how many people are here. And there's but, some crazy robots walking oh, around. Yeah, there's a dog picking yeah. bones up out here. <laughs> I was, I was watching Spot Fetch Bones Absolutely. when I came back in. I had to walk around him. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.